Welcome to Dark Horse Matters, the show about people, their passion, and their pursuit toward happiness. I'm your host, Bev Mateoshi, and I'm passionate about people and their pursuit toward their dreams. My hope is to inspire those of you out there who are searching for purpose, because that is the key toward living a life of fulfillment and true happiness. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to like and subscribe and hit that bell so you can be notified every time we have a new video posted. And if you're returning, thank you so much for the support. Really appreciate it. So I am so excited about today's guest. We met on a movie set in downtown Los Angeles back in the college days at the University of Southern California. And we'll get into all of that, but he is a talented writer, director, and producer who's done a plethora of creative and commercial work, um, including, but not limited to, producing automotive reality TV show Overhauling. So please give a warm welcome to the unstoppable owner of Unstoppable Entertainment, Joshua Kmeyer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, for having me. It's so great to see you. Yes, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, I know how busy you Hollywood people are and I appreciate you coming on the show to share your story. So I remember reconnecting with you a few years back and it all started be because my boss brought a pie to work on March 14th. Right. <laughs> and uh, we had I, pie day. <laughs> yeah, I made fun of him because, you know, he was such a nerd because of that. But it popped you into my head that day. And I remember reaching out to you that day because I wanted to watch the movie that you filmed called Chances Are. And it was a really cute, nerdy um, love story, but it was mathematical and nerdy, <laughs> hence pie. But before we get into all of that, can you give us a background about yourself? Tell us where you're from and give us a little bit about your family. So before I do that, I think maybe we should explain what Pi Day is uh, because there's going to be a lot of people that don't know it. And there's going to be a lot of people that do know it, but basically like March 14th is three slash 14 and then Pi is 3.14 and then, you know, an infinite string of numbers. So 3.14 is pi. And so all the quote unquote nerds will say like March 14th is pi day. Uh, that's what it is. <laughs> Nerd alert. <laughs> yeah. I love no, that. I love that. So bad. My background is I grew up in Northern California and then my hometown is called Woodland, California. It's near the Davis Sacramento area. And I grew up on the same block as the only movie theater in town at the time. And so uh, my parents had made an agreement with the movie theater that I could go see whatever I want. Like if I showed up with money, then I can see whatever. Like I'm, you know, whatever, uh, definitely not 18 at the time. And then I uh, went and saw Aliens, which was a huge mistake. It's like I got nightmares forever. And then I, I think like one of the first films that I ever saw actually was Star Wars. And and although the business of making movies is very different than um, watching them, uh, I, I knew that's what I wanted to do, even when I was little. Did go to USC for my undergrad. Um, I thought I was going to go to film school. I uh, wasn't totally feeling it, uh, maybe because I was really young. Didn't really feel like I could tell the stories that I wanted to tell. I hadn't had enough life experience. So then later on, then I went into the master's degree program Really, uh, all I can say is like fast forward to now that my specialty is really science, technology, and healthcare content and distilling down really complex topics into fun ideas, let's say. And then also I do some work in automotive, uh, some work in fashion. Uh, and then of course there was like my whole stint in uh, <laughs> hip hop and pop music, which is like actually on my company got started. Um, thank you for that sharing all of that. I, you know, I just wanted to kind of say like, when I first met you, I just saw you as someone who was really focused. You just, you were on a different frequency than most people. You're very focused and driven. And I like surrounding myself with people like that because it, it kind of just makes me see how I want to focus toward my dream. But I also noticed like when we were on set, when you direct people, you are just really good at making people feel comfortable. And I don't know, for me, like if you're a director or a producer, I just think that that's such a valuable quality to be able to, you know, make 
everyone working on the set and the people who are acting feel comfortable so they can perform properly and, and you can get the results that you want. So is that a skill that you're just natural at or is that something that you had to cultivate and get better at? It's a combination of the two. So if you if you back all the way up and say like, you know, who was I as a kid versus who I am now, it it isn't really too dissimilar. And what I mean by that is, is that I was always really creative and really social. So all my teachers would write comments about me and then they would say, Josh makes friends easily, right? That was kind of like my thing. Most important thing for me is that no matter when you work for people or work with people or whatever the case is, is that if you want to connect with somebody, then you, you better than care. And you, you need to add something and then you also need to be able to listen. So it's a combination of the two. And, and that can all happen in the course of like a really fun conversation. You can be talking back and forth. It's not like you just have to be quiet and wait your turn or talk all the time or whatever. And so that's part one, right? Is that, and, and that's something where it does come naturally to me, but also you, you can practice it. And one of the best ways to do it is to be around somebody that actually is already doing it. And then you can learn from them. Kind of like see what their style is, see what their behavior is, you know, matching the rapport. Uh, speaking of rapport, one, one thing that is important is that when you are doing, like, let's say whether it's a job interview or talking to anyone, and then if you wanted to, to develop a rapport with them, one of the best things you can do is to match their body language. So like if they're leaning in, you're leaning in. If they have one hand on their chin, maybe you have one hand on your chin. If they're smiling, you're smiling, things like that. So if you have an opposing body language, then oftentimes that's something that unconsciously or subconsciously creates a, a tension between the two of you. Going back to that question for a second, one of the most important things about when you make a project is to be absolutely as prepared as you can. And so for me, for example, what you saw in Chances Are was the result of a lot of preparation. But then also as a director, you go through a script and you do what's called a script breakdown, which is that you essentially are, anal I mean, I wrote that one, but sometimes you, you're not the writer. You're analyzing someone else's script. And you go through and you break down the action and the emotional uh, conflict in, in each word that's said in each action. And it's like, what is the driver of this? So that way, when you're talking with the actors, you're not just like, oh, here is how I want you to say the line. You know, actors hate that shit. It's like what actors want you to do is they want you to engage in a deeper level. Like by saying this line, what is my goal? So then, then maybe, maybe what you're doing is you're giving that person a hug, right? You're being, you're being supportive as opposed to just uh, trying to direct somebody and say, oh, have this tone of voice. Right. Yeah, so so it's better to en engage it deeper on a, on a, on a level where, level. yeah, so then you always have to remember that what a director is doing is one thing above anything else. And that's about getting the performance from the actors. And then the second thing is, is really knowing the material you're working on and what you want to get out of it, being decisive and confident uh, on set things are moving pretty quick and a lot of times you run out of time you have to move on and uh, simply put I write it all down it's like all written down on paper my script says Josh's copy like do not take so yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and it's got tons of handwriting all over it with all my thoughts right and you know that's so important being prepared I mean that's everything right and and that's why you're so good at what you do is because you prepare for it and you know that was just really exciting for me to watch watch you in action like that so let's talk a little bit more about chances are so you got that opportunity um at usc because you i understand that you got a grant to film that that short movie can you tell us about how you got that opportunity so the short version of how chances are came to be it goes back to actually when I got into grad school at USC. So I got into the MFA film production program, you know, the program, which is like highly sought after. It's like highly competitive. It's really hard to get into. And so, yeah, I was lucky. I got into that program. I was there for a year and a half. And then during that time, uh, I met a Swiss cinematographer. And then he and I were like, hey, let's form a production company together. And, you know, we have already some prospective clients. We can like start working right away. And let's go do that. So actually, I took a leave of absence from school for four years and uh, worked in that company with him. And then the way that USC works is that you, if you take a leave of absence, you have four years which to come back to school. 
If you don't come back, then your units expire. So, I mean, listen, it's expensive. Like it costs a fortune, um, whether I was on financial aid or however I was doing it, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I refuse to let those units expire. But when I went to go back into school, I thought, you know, I have a lot of production experience. I want to go into the writing program. Those are always my favorite professors anyway. And, and so I talked to some of them and they're like, oh, you know, we'd love to have you back. Like if you, if you apply, we'll support your application. We'll, you know, try to get you in because I couldn't transfer. I had to reapply to the master's of, of degree program for writing for screen and television at the USD School of Cinematic Arts. So I had a year and a half left uh, to complete my degree out of like a three-year program. And within that program, part of the reason that I applied or wanted to go into that program, not just for the amazing faculty, was because there were all these ancillary opportunities, uh, different grants, scholarships, mentorship programs, uh, the, the speaker series where like famous people come to talk and tell you about their careers like David Lynch or Samuel L. Jackson. And, and, and it was all something that took place only within the writing program. So the true story of chances are is that when I was in the writing program, I was at a USC football game and I had a notepad with me and I was kind of like watching the game, but I was also writing some schoolwork out, right? I was like writing some script stuff or whatever. And there is, there's this guy that like starts cheering. He's so happy. And I, and I go, I go, Hey, Hey man, and he's right by me in the aisle. And I go, Hey man, what's going on? And he goes, and he, this guy's trash out of his mind. Like, cause <laughs> this was back when they sold alcohol at the football games. And the guy goes, the guy, he holds up a $5 bill and he goes, I just got that girl's phone number. I got this girl's phone number and it's written on a $5 bill. <laughs> and, and, I, and I was like, Oh wow, man. Okay. I go, congratulations or something. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, he walks up, you know, the Coliseum, you know, he's like walking up toward his seat. And, and then he goes to this vendor and he buys a beer with the $5 bill. <laughs> and I looked at all my friends around me and, and I said, and I said, oh my God, like what a nightmare because it's like, this, this guy just met the girl of his dreams, got her number on a $5 bill and then spent it. Is there any way he could ever get it back? And so I wrote this little idea down. And then within like a week or two of that, I found out that the Alfred P. Sloan Science Foundation had this huge amount of opportunity that they were giving a few schools. Like it's definitely not to all the schools and USC is one of them. Like, you know, they do it with other big film schools. And what they do is there's a whole variety of grants that they offer whether it's like a screenwriting grant or a production grant. And they even offer some bigger stuff for like feature films. But one of the grants that was accessible to me, so the grant is called the Alfred P. Sloan Science Foundation Production Grant. And so what they do is that USC, uh, they were offering two available and they don't have to give out any. But what you do is you write a script, you uh, get a schedule and a budget together. And then also you need three scientists to sign off on the script that all the science in the script is accurate. It cannot be a science fiction, like some space thing, uh, unless it's fact, unless it's like more factual, like realistic. So no sci-fi, but you must do a film about a scientist who's good or evil and that all the science must be accurate. That's what the... That, that is so cool. I did not know that that's how the idea came about. That is so cool. But I, I love... The, what do you call it when you have like a, like it's not qualification, but that's like the parameters or- Requirement? What, yeah, okay, wait, yeah. So that's what the requirements were Okay. for that. Yeah, so I, I wrote that in, I wrote that idea into a script, got the schedule together, got the budget together, got three scientists to sign off on the script that all the science was accurate. And I submitted it and, and I won. That's so cool. I mean, how competitive was that scholarship to get? Congratulations. Like that is just amazing. And you know, I, yeah. when I watched that movie, I wondered, I was like, I wonder if all the, the math is like super accurate, <laughs> but that's so cool that that's the whole reason why you got that scholarship to film that that movie um very it's a, it's a grant what is that yeah. 
It's a grant. And then the way that the grant works is uh, every school uh, has different roles. How it works, uh, the way that USC works is that when you win the grant, so the grant for chances are was $15,000. And, uh, you know, we had budgeted the movie at around like 80,000, but that meant that we just had to find everything else like for free, basically. And, or, yeah. or, that, or that people would give us a deal. And so and actually, so, with that being said, that's actually perfect for my next question that I wanted to move into because um, my involvement in this movie, How We Met, was because of that. Like it was because you didn't have a budget for the music for your movie. And that's how we met. I was in a band back then with my sisters called High Tide and our bass player, JV Visaya, um, was the one who introduced us to you. Um, and uh, I just wanted to, like, it was just funny, like the way this whole situation came about, like we were super excited about it, but what is your version of how we got involved? It's funny to talk about things like the budget because, you know, you know that you're going to have certain expenses like food and there's going to be some equipment rental and, and, you know, then there's certain things where like maybe um, our composer, we paid him a certain amount. And, but, but the reality was though, that, yeah, we were like really running out of money really fast. So then, then what we were telling everybody is, you know, like, what can I do for you to get you to be part of this movie, right? So like, you know, if I make you a copy afterward, give you like a big credit, then, then will that help you enough that you'll help me? Okay, so the way that the story goes is that during the preparation for the film, I was uh, hanging out with this group of people and, and actually I had a bunch of um, Korean clients at the time. And I, I'm pretty sure that, I think this is how it went, is then we went to some sushi restaurant in K-Town and we're, we're having sushi, we're talking, you know, this and that. And then our waiter was like this cool guy named JV. And at some point during the dinner, we get to talking about that we're doing this movie and then how we need like an audio person or uh, that we need some music. And, and then we had wanted it to be kind of based off of this one famous song that, you know, we could never have afforded the rights to. So then JV starts saying, oh, you know, I, I'm in a band and let me talk to them. I, I think that they might really like to uh, be part of this movie. And, and then you can use the music uh, as part of the film and, and it would really fit. And, and it was like this Hawaiian style or Hawaiian reggae style even. And I started like really, really liking it. And then the more that we talked, then I started getting this idea that we could actually have the band appear in the movie. And then it got even more exciting to me. And so that's that's my version of how this all started. You know, it's funny because my version, like I just remember JV coming to band practice and he was super excited about this opportunity. And he was just, you know, us being from Hawaii, Los Angeles, the entire city of Los Angeles is Hollywood to us. So we were just so starstruck about the idea of being in a movie. And JV was just like, yeah, we can just, you know, and it's free publicity for our band. You know, we can get our music out there. And then he was just like, and as payment for being, uh, for letting us use the, the, letting you use the music was we got to be in the movie. That was like our reward. And we were like, okay, <laughs> that's how I remember it. It's so funny. Yeah, I think our stories are pretty lined up. Uh, you know, I'll tell you something funny though. Yeah, that for me, uh, one of the first things was getting a hold of your music. Uh, I think I got a disc from JV and, and I listened to all the music and all I thought was, is this music is so great. How can I incorporate as much of, as, much of it as I possibly can into the film? And so I started like looking for places to put it and thinking how it would go. And actually, even at the end, like the big romantic scene, you know, it's your song playing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, thank you. I just really, really appreciate that whole opportunity. It was such a great experience. Just, you know, being on set, you know, just that whole environment and just watching the finished product at the end, just so rewarding. It's just funny when I, when I reconnected with you, I hadn't seen that movie in over a decade, you know, and I was just like, you know, it was like watching it 
for the first time all over again. Uh, it gives me a new respect for all the production that goes on to just a 15 minute movie. Yeah. It was just so huge. And, you know, everything that you guys did, all the crew that was there, it was just, it really, really opened my eyes to all, everything that you guys do in the entertainment industry. Here's the thing about, a, about having a good script and good producers. Not not saying like I'm, you know, some of like the greatest writer or whatever, but but when you have a good script and good producers, then they're able to take that and then put a lot together. I mean, we had a huge crew. We had trucks. We had catering. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of people kind of came out of the woodwork like and were doing whatever they could to help us. Uh, and one thing I want to talk about in terms of your involvement is uh, when somebody plays music uh, on screen, or like if you hear music coming out of a radio, it's called di uh, diegetic music. So then that means that it's not like uh, the music is kind of omniscient, you know, playing in the background, like as a score, or maybe it's even some cool song. So it's one of those things where, you know, we had playback on set of the music and then it had to match, you know, it had to match. Like, so when you guys are all playing all the instruments, you know, we were forever tied to that in terms of that, the music that we were going to play in the finished movie, I mean, it had to match everything, like from the guitar strums, drum beats, uh, yeah, everything that was going on. What a lot of people don't know, I'll tell you just a funny side story, is that actually we had had a lot of problems with um, our focus pullers during that movie. And um, our producer said, like, uh, let a few people go. And then all of a sudden, this, like, super old school guy shows up on set on, on that day. I've never worked with this guy before. And it turns out that this guy is like this union focus puller, right? You know, he's like maybe 70 years old or something. And then, uh, you know, we're used to focus pullers, like they'll take a measurement and they're setting their marks and all this different stuff. And then this guy wanted nothing to do with that. He's just like, point the camera at whatever you want to be in focus and it'll be in focus. And I remember one of the first things that we shot was your guitar. You know, because we have that close-up of your guitar, right? Where your hand is strumming. Yes. And, and I remember looking at the monitor because, you know, I'm back in Video Village, you know, off to the side. And all I'm thinking is, is uh, this, this guy's incredible. Like, however we found him, let's keep getting more people like that because it, it just blew, blew my mind. I don't even really remember what happened other than just like, look, it looks so beautiful. I think it was like a red guitar, right? With like silver strings. Yes, and yes. It was amazing. Yeah. And I remember when we filmed that, we were just air guitaring it. There was no music. Like we had to really act like we were playing, you know, but we couldn't make any noise, which was very difficult for people well, who yeah. are experienced in acting. Well, here's the thing, right? So like if you do a music video, it uses no, you know, onset dialogue, right? So it's playback the whole entire time. But in a film though, where you're recording dialogue, the whole entire set must be silent, except the people talking. And so sometimes what you'll do is you'll start with, let's say, like playback. You say, cue playback. Okay, and action, you know, everyone's matched up. And then uh, everyone will say, like, quiet or cut playback or whatever, still rolling. And then everyone just has to keep going in their fake conversations or, you know, their strumming and motions or singing and uh, has to still stay in sync because then over here, all the dialogue and the scenes are taking place. Yeah. So it's super challenging you know also on that set we had a lot of moving parts you know we had like, like all these extras and crew and we also had a-list talent you know i mean we had keiko jaina from the gilmore girls yeah and by the way cool. like she's yeah she's no diva you know what i mean like she's cool as, uh, yeah and she's, she's from hawaii cool. too yeah, she's cool as hell she's from hawaii and uh, not to mention like being a great actor so yeah, yeah it's crazy when you make a film how all these little bits and pieces come together to make a whole. And honestly, casting is the most important thing. One of the funny stories that I remember was um, right before we were about to film our part, you know, we were waiting around a long time. And then right before we were about to film our set, JV was like, goes up to you and tells you that he has to go to work. <laughs> he had to go leave. Yeah, and that go was and, yeah and then you're just like oh my gosh i, I want to you know <laughs> and then and then we had to find like somebody to take his place in the band which was like the gaffer the guy who holds the yeah. microphone and then that was just hilarious the then, operator yeah and then all of a sudden um right before right when we we're wrapping up our our scene 
JV shows back up after his, and he's like, but I want to be in the movie. And you're like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and yeah, so, like, uh, yeah, go, go, yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you gave okay, him so in the movie. So JV show, like, listen, I, I love JV, uh, but you know, you're moving really fast on set and trying to get through like a ton of stuff, especially, you know, we were, we were filming in this like pretty high end bar in downtown LA and they'd given us like two days where they were going to close it in the day. And, you know, we had to basically stop filming, you know, when their customers came in and yeah, when I heard JV had to leave, I mean, it kind of threw me for a loop because I had to kind of stop and think, oh my God, like, you know, this isn't what I envisioned and how do I accomplish it now? And I can't only have like two band members. I mean, it's going to be like, no one's even there and we're, and you're missing one of the instruments. So then I needed somebody to stand in. I think it, uh, it was for bass, right? They're playing yeah, bass. Yeah, it was the bass player. Yeah. But man, yeah, so, you guys okay. handled it. I just remember you handled yes. it. Like, it didn't even seem like a problem the way you it was. Yeah, li listen, I mean, so many, I mean, so like, it's funny because uh, after the film was done, my producers are like, oh, hey, Josh, now that the film's done, let me tell you all the crazy shit that happened. Like, <laughs> oh, um, somebody like ran a truck into like the roof of a gas station and there's an insurance claim being filed. And and then like, uh, you know, we were, we were filming in um, actually my apartment at the time. And then like somebody was like under the covers of my bed doing who knows what, like so many crazy <laughs> stories were happening. I mean, it was nuts. So when JV showed back up, he was like, I want to be in the movie. I mean, I'm so sorry. Is there any way you can put me in? And I knew that there was this fight scene coming up <laughs> as this flashback. And then I go, I, I got a place for you, buddy. Like, I'm... <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So one of our characters is kind of like this big tough dude, right? And so I, I, I'm pretty sure this is how it went. Excuse, sorry if I'm wrong, but it's like, and then I paired like this big tough dude with JV and then I go, okay, so like, here's the action. And this guy's going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> but yeah, because like the guy's like punching him. And then I remember his body's like going up, yeah. like as if he's getting lifted off the ground. Uh, because um, I mean, there's chaos. Like it's it's this scene where there's like insane chaos. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we filmed it a couple times. And I mean, all of them were winners. Like everybody really went the extra mile to kind of make themselves look bad and just get totally beat up. Yeah, and, that was hilarious. And I just remember when we watched the movie, I was like, you got what you deserve, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, though, you know, but I can't be mad at JV because, you know, if you really want to wrap it all together, it's like, this is why we're here right now. Yeah. You know, and actually yeah. to even bring it even more full circle, the story I was telling earlier about the uh, the cinematographer who I, I met and started that production company with. So that's the guy that became the DP of Chances Are. And, and, and was, was amazing, you know, did amazing work. Like uh, one of the best DPs ever. What does DP stand for? Just for director of, sorry, DP stands for director of photography. Okay. You're not really the camera guy. You're not really the lighting guy or, or girl, you know, basically you, yeah. So this person they're they're responsible for like the entire visual look of what's getting lensed. So all the camera movements and the lighting, uh, and how the camera tells the story. So basically in film, there's something called the creative triangle. So it's like the three people that are really responsible for the look of the film and the director, and then the DP, director of photography, and then the production designer. And that three person team works together to come up with the whole look, make sure that everything's unified. Yeah, so much work involved. It was so amazing to see everything come together. Everything, everything, all the work that you guys put together, and how much crew was involved really, really impressed me. I, I want to talk about now is like the name of your company, Unstoppable Entertainment. I know, you know, that kind of came about because of the things that, you know, the obstacles that you had to, you know, overcome during the whole production. So can you tell us a little bit about how that name evolved? Yes. In the old days, my nickname was nonstop. Uh, that's what all my friends said. They said, I go nonstop. Yeah. My nickname is unstoppable. And one of my producers nicknamed me that. And so this is the story. So what happened with chances are, is that I won the grant, the Alfred P. Sloan foundation grant, $15,000. And then they distributed the money to USC into an account. And so in order to start preparing for the film, then, you know, you got to fill out all this paperwork and you got to, you know, follow all these rules about how to get access to that money. And so USC is the only school that 
works with the Sloan Foundation where they don't give that money to the recipient. It's pretty bizarre. It's like, I wrote the script, it's my money and I'm gonna use it to make this film and I want it. And USC said, well, we don't wanna give it to you because then you, you know, a lot of students in the past that want it, then they just go like buy a car. So then they created this like series of protocols where what you would do is, is you would spend money out of your own pocket and then you would get track receipts or POs or whatever. And then you would then get reimbursed. Well, you know, that sucks when you're like a starving student because that means you basically have to come up with, in my case, $15,000 in order to which spend and then get reimbursed with. I mean, it's really bizarre to me. It's a bizarre process. It's like, why not just sign a contract that says you'll use the money for the intended purpose? Right. So what happened was, is that, is that I didn't have the money and I didn't even have access to it. So I kept contacting USC saying, when do I get access to this account? So I contact USC and I said, all right, hey, you know, I've started pre-production on the film. Before I set production dates or schedule this, I got to know that the money is available. And then they're like, oh yeah, you know, well, we forwarded that on to the person who is responsible for it. He'll get back to you. Well, so he didn't. So then I started calling every day and I'm like, where is the money? Where is the money? And then, and then it disappeared. Then they're like, I'm sorry, we don't really have a record of this. Oh my God. Not only was the guy not calling me back and giving me access to the money, but now it was gone. And so the only reason that I found out where it had gone was that I got my tuition bill, you know, to show like how my financial aid and all that's being applied. And then it was like $15,000, you know, minus, right? Like that it was paid. And then I was so pissed, right? I called USC and I was like, you know, what the fuck is going on? Like, you guys put my grant money into my, you know, tuition. Like that is not going to help me in my life. I mean, I'm going to be paying student loans forever. So taking $15,000 out of it doesn't mean anything. $15,000, what that means to me is that means I can make this film and have like this really nice example of my work, which I can try to like use to get jobs and whatnot. And so it just didn't improve. And so then I started calling like not just every day, but then every hour and I was calling over and over and over. And finally they, um, finally they got sick of me or uh, finally they realized that like, this was getting bad for them where uh, I was not going to go away. And then the guy that I needed to talk to gets on the phone, makes this huge apology, like that this was a mess and, you know, he was busy and, you know, didn't have time. And, and I'm just like, yeah, whatever, bro. So then, uh, he uh, he uh, freed up the funds and then I got a letter that the funds were available for reimbursement. And, and we fully like launched into uh, pre-production at that point. And then I think within a few weeks, like we were filming, but going back to your question, I mean, this happened over like a month. I mean, it was really awful. And a lot of people in film, what they'll tell you is like, when you get ready to make a film, there's a lot of obstacles that come up and it's mainly other people. They're, they're jealous or they don't understand or they, they maybe they even try to stand in your way or they're naysayers. And so you, you must fully commit like that. There's nothing that's going to stop you making your film. And so one of my producers, Matt, he said, he said, wow, man, you're unstoppable. And then this light bulb went on in my head. And this, all these things came together for me that I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm calling my company that because, you know, the film, I needed to create like a company in order to produce the film. And uh, yeah, then I created Unstoppable Entertainment. And then uh, I actually even took it a step further. And then the main character in the film, uh, you know, he's a network administrator, but then I have him working for Unstoppable Entertainment in the film as a fictional company that he was like the network administrator of my entertainment company. And then the name Unstoppable appears on his bag, his shoulder bag. It says, so the bag says something like divide and conquer, and it has mathematical symbols. But then his name badge, right? His name badge says Unstoppable Entertainment. And so there's like these little Easter eggs in the film about yeah. that. And yeah, and then I officially formed the company. And that's, uh, that. I formed the company in 2006. And I, I remember still that when I watched the film for the first time um, after we reconnected, I noticed that I didn't notice that before. But, you know, after, you know, seeing all your posts on like Instagram and all that with your company, I noticed that in the film and I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I never noticed that before. And I just thought that that was very, very clever. <laughs>
Love yeah, that story, Josh. Film is actually full of Easter eggs. Oh, cool. I'm going to look for it. There's a lot of, there's a lot <laughs> of other hidden things uh, in the film. Um, just to kind of like whet your appetite. So for example, you know, we didn't have enough extras for the bar scene. And so then the question is, well, where did we get all those people <laughs> if we didn't have extras? And it was the crew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's We're so like, cool. well, you know, you know, when we start rolling, like we really only need, you know, the dolly and camera operator and focus person to, you know, an audio person to be like working. So uh, everyone else just, you know, grab a seat. Yeah. And helped each other out. That is so cool. And, and I'm I very just... fortunate that they did it. I mean, I mean, I'm very thankful to to everybody that was part of the film. Yeah. And, you know, when you're on a mish, you know, it's just amazing how opportunities just kind of show up and and you give, you give and you get, that's, that's exactly how it goes. And you did that. So Josh, with your, all the experience that you've had over the past, you know, how many years doing what you do, like for any aspiring filmmakers out there, what kind of advice would you give to them if they come across any roadblocks in their creative journey? For any aspiring filmmaker, video producer, you know, TV crew member, like anything within that whole realm, there will be roadblocks. You're gonna have people that are envious of you, jealous, uh, people that just plain don't like what you're doing. And they will try to stand in your way. And it's so weird actually. You know, there's a lot of people that don't want others to succeed. So my first piece of advice for sure for anyone would be try to surround yourself with people who you want to support and people who are supportive of you. When you tell them about something that's good in your life, something good happened, that they're excited for you, as opposed to like trying to knock you down a peg. If you let those other types into your life, then you're going to face a lot more obstacles than you need to. Whereas if you then look for supportive people, or this could even relate to vendors, because you're definitely gonna need help, right? Like whether you need to film in some supermarket and you need it for free, or whether you need a discount on a camera rental or something, it, you need to have really strong relationships with like-minded people. So number one is, is that you need to have a great network and great relationships with people that support you and that people you like to support. The last thing you wanna do is be on some set and um, have problems because it just wastes time during a, experience where you know time is like a pretty pretty serious commodity mm -hmm. you know if you if you're filming all day in a location you only have one day and you don't get the key shot that you need because you're dealing with some problem then uh, what was the point and then the other thing is is to always remember to have fun uh it's like yeah it's going to be hard but you know you're not like in a gold mine you know uh two miles down in some some desert like as a miner you know what i mean it's like you're, you're making film you're doing something pretty cool and to remind yourself of that that to have fun yeah you got to make it enjoyable because especially if you're passionate <laughs> about it right you want to you want to enjoy yourself and have make sure everyone else surrounding you is enjoying themselves as well in terms of going to film school yeah, you, you don't really learn that much. You won't learn as much as just by doing the work. So don't worry so much about school, but worry more about like, well, I have this idea and then don't let anything stop you from getting it made. So that's really the key. And then having those relationships to help you get it made, whether these are people that are going to help you crew it or edit it or locations, or maybe somebody's just going to go, you know, buy sandwiches or whatever, then, then those things are really important. You know, also be really planned out and decisive and confident that you, you know what you're doing and what you're doing is gonna be great. Um, yeah, be nice, be a nice person. That's another thing. Don't be some asshole diva. You know, I will fire you right off my set, right on the spot if you're an asshole or a diva or or sitting around and, and wasting my money or wasting my time. So like, you know, look for opportunities. If you're a crew member on someone else's shoot, look for opportunities to contribute. Uh, look for opportunities to uh, do more. Um, and also, of course, like if you are really busy, then just make sure that you're doing your job to, to the best you can. Be a really good listener and be a really good communicator. And then, of course, in film, I mean, listen, even though I'm saying this kind of last, the absolute most important thing is safety. 
it's like you can always get the shot later, no matter what, uh, you know, or or cut it and get some other shot. But if you die, then you're not getting any shot. Right. That's that's a really good point. But thank you for all the valuable nuggets. Wow, these, this is going to be very valuable information else. for people. If you're starting out, you know, volunteer your time or get you know get entry level jobs on other people's productions, and you will learn by doing. So for me, going to school, the number one thing I got out of it was relationships, like mm-hmm. big time. But there is there is a, one other piece of advice. You can really be your biggest roadblock if you let yourself. And so it's important to not be that. So I have two tips. So tip number one is to be unstoppable. Don't let anything stand in your way. You're going to get ma- going to get it made. Even if you have to film this movie on your cell phone, you're making this movie, right? <laughs> like nothing's going to stand in your way. The other thing is, is to always look at everything you're doing as practice. And what I mean by that is, is like, imagine that you are uh, an NBA a basketball player and uh, you're, you're playing a game. Well, so everything that you're doing leading up to a game is practice. So, you know, the mistakes don't really matter so much. So if you're learning and growing and then you're, you know, getting your career started, it's like, do not be afraid to fail. Practice always practice because, you know, then there isn't really that much weight on it. And the more you practice, then when it's game time, it's game on. Right, right. You're going to learn something new all the time. You know, our industry is always evolving. So whether it's having content that's streaming or, you know, moving from film to digital or editing software, camera technology, you must always be open to learn. I think that if you really stick to just the old ways, then you're going to get left behind because our industry is moving really fast and uh, technologically and even creatively where, you know, TV now has even a production value that's even higher than some movies. I mean, what's going on is incredible, right? But there's one really amazing thing that exists that, you know, never really did before and that's YouTube. So you don't have to go get all these deals anymore for distribution or festivals or whatever. But with something like YouTube, for example, there really should be nothing standing in your way of making content because you have already uh, access to a platform to distribute it and an audience, a global audience, which is incredible. Yes, that's so incredible. And speaking of that, you have a show called The Art You Can Drive. Love that show. Are we going to be seeing a new season coming up? It's really interesting that you asked that. So so the deal with Art You Can Drive, so Art You Can Drive is a YouTube channel. And the original plan was that uh, we were making this series. So uh, then we have like world-class car customizer, Mark Oya is one of the hosts. And then we have world-class uh, like artist, illustrator, and automotive designer, Steve Stanford. So they're the two hosts, right? So it was always our intention to make 10 episodes, see how they did. And then if they did really well, then to try to like use those 10 episodes to maybe get like trade outs or sponsors or get some funding. Or then maybe you are what our really hope, what our real hope was is that the series would be successful enough that we would monetize it. And then the series would then start paying for itself. Well, right now, currently the way to monetize content is that is that number one, you must get a thousand subscribers. So yes, we did do that, which was which was rad. And then one of our episodes went viral, right? Getting like 6,000 views a day. And it was just like blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Thing is though, is that for you to monetize on YouTube within a 12 month period, you must have 4,000 viewed hours. Wow. I, I think we hit like 2,000 viewed hours. And I mean, we were struggling to even hit that. So then what happens is, is then the 12 month, 12 months eclipsed that viral period of that video. And then we like lost those views, viewed hours. So it was frustrating because like now we're back into square one. So then what happened is we started filming season two or you can drive. And what happened is that, uh, so Mark, uh, who was one of the hosts, then Mark uh, moved to Arizona and he moved his whole shop to Arizona. And then Steve then like moved to Las Vegas and this was all um, either right before or in a way related to COVID. And so all of a sudden, you know, not all of us were in Southern California anymore. And, and we stopped. So we took episode one of season two and we made it episode 11 of season one because instead of just having it sit there, we wanted to release it. And you know, what's funny is that, is that I'll just tell you now is that, man, we had crazy cars lined up for season two. 
Uh, we had a bunch of like JDM cars lined up. You know, like uh, we had like a Skyline uh, R32 right-hand drive stick lined up. Like, I mean, we had, and, and some like, and an air-cooled Porsche. So we had some really cool shit lined up, but uh, yeah, we're stopped right now uh, because uh, my team got distributed. Now, what I will tell you is that, uh, is that, is that we are doing something else, actually something for broadcast, and I'm going to have to wait to talk about that. Okay. But yeah, so every now and then I do do a pretty massive automotive series for TV. So uh, yeah, I'm doing something right now. And uh, yeah, when it comes out, then I can tell you more. Cool. Well, that's super exciting, Josh. Can you tell us what other projects you're working on? What projects can you tell us about? So I run Unstoppable Entertainment. And I have about like 35 projects going right now simultaneously. And the main focus of Unstoppable Entertainment is to do the following, which is to do science, technology, healthcare, automotive, fashion, and business content as well. Like whether that's true business content, like business and marketing, you know, working with people at a very high level, getting uh, things that you're doing, right? It's like uh, inspirational stuff or uh, sometimes uh, educational or whatever. And uh, and then also working in finance too, working with finance people. So one of my specialties is definitely taking really hardcore, you know, left brain topics and then turning it into right brain, right? It's like making it digestible and accessible to the common person. So some of the projects that I'm working on right now um, I have a client called the Heroes Project, and what they and it's backed by Equinox Gym. What the Heroes Project does is they uh, raise a whole bunch of money throughout the year, and then they sponsor one combat wounded veteran per year to go on some amazing global adventure. So typically, what I do with the Heroes Project is, uh, you know, I shoot, produce, and edit content for them related to the person that they've chosen, uh, filming interviews with them, uh, filming like training in the gym, uh, even doing like training climbs, things like that in preparation for their big trip. Um, I've been in the middle of uh, like a big fashion project for a fashion brand. Uh, it's called Shelter LA, super cool, really, really amazing like women's fashion, more kind of like for fun party wear, but also they make some formal stuff too. And they make like tops and skirts and they have elastic based uh, fabric. So um, I've went to the factory, I filmed models, filmed interviews, I'm making this whole range of content for them in preparation for like a season, like season launch of oh, wow. a- uh, That's very exciting. I can't believe that you're doing all of that. You're so busy. And again, I'm so grateful that you spent some time you know, sharing your story with all of us. Um, so Josh, how can people find you if they want to follow yeah. what you're doing? You know, like that was funny, right? So yeah, one, one thing for sure that I'll say is that I'm never too busy to take on new amazing projects at all scales. So whether you have a small budget or a big budget, like I'm interested to do it if the project's cool and if you're enjoyable to work with. I definitely do have a no asshole policy. If you're willing to pay me a ton of money, but you're a nightmare, like I'm sorry, I'm probably not so interested. No, I want to like have a good life filled with good memories and I don't want to hate the project I'm working on. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, yes. I do. Yeah. I scale up and down as needed and I have a really big team. So, you know, even if uh, there's a lot of projects going on. Um, so number one, yeah, it's all about scheduling. And number two is, is, is I have great people already vetted out and, you know, we'll build out a crew or build out a team to, you know, do those projects. So for anybody who wants to connect with me, um, I love building uh, strong personal connections. So you don't really have to follow my company or anything. Uh, actually on Instagram, that's where I post all my fun personal stuff. Yeah, I have a public Instagram handle. It's Kmeister, K-A-Y-M-Y-S-T-E-R. So th that's where you should follow me. Um, I also do have unstoppable underscore entertainment as, a, as Instagram as well. If you want to follow that company. And then of course, like as you already mentioned, I, um, I run the Art You Can Drive YouTube channel you know, youtube.com slash art, you can drive, but you know, production shut down right now, but definitely check it out if you like cars, especially. Uh, and then in terms of like seeing uh, past work that I've done or learning about more the business side of what I'm up to, uh, yeah, I have a pretty easy to access website. So yeah, unstopent.com or unstoppableentertainment.com or joshkmeyer.com. It all takes you to the same spot. 
you know, there are like landing pages that'll uh, load the main unstoppable entertainment page. And then on that page, there's like a form and contact stuff or whatever. But yeah, whether you contact me off that or off my Instagram, or if you just want to follow along and see what's up, like I definitely welcome uh, everyone. Uh, yeah, but remember no asshole policy. So like, I'm definitely looking for like really quality people. And remember what I said in this interview. So I want to know that you're somebody that I could support like you, you know, I want to be part of this interview. Like you're thanking me, but I'm thanking you, you know, I want to be supportive of you. And actually the real story about how I really got unstoppable entertainment up and running was because a friend of a friend told me that this one guy was turning a model into a singer, right? He was managing her career. and going to appear on this MTV China special. And so uh, he needed to uh, put a behind the scenes video together. And so I, I thought it was like the coolest thing, right? And I was going to get to like watch this show, produce this content, like work with this crew with him. And we were all just helping out for free in order to like start to build our reels, right? Get yeah. some content that we could use to show off, like in addition to chances are. You know, I needed more stuff. Right. And so we did it. It got edited. It got put on YouTube and it blew up with like millions of views, right? We even won an award from YouTube for like, uh, YouTube used to give these awards where it was called like the most viewed video of the day. And so what happened is, is that guy got hired at Geffen Records as the head of pop new media. And I remember he gets hired and he calls me and he goes, hey, uh, remember like that project you produced for me? Well, you know, I have X amount of dollars a month of marketing budget available for video. You're the guy. And so then that's how I got my very first client, Geffen Records, through unstop wow. for Unstoppable Entertainment. That's cool. It's all about the relationships you build, man. Your, your then, net yeah. worth is equal to your network. That's basically how it goes. You just gotta, relationships are so important and you're you're really great at that. Like just, you know, keeping in touch, responding right away. You know, like I, I, I realized that when I reconnected with you after all that time, I was just like, wow, he's so cool. He didn't leave me hanging. You know what I mean? I really appreciate that, Josh. Appreciate it so much. Yeah, you too. I mean, I mean, listen, like, I mean, you got the text message, like let it later for like days. You know what I mean? It's like re reply the same day. Yeah, that's important, man. I know you've got the message. You're, you're on your phone all the time. You know, it's like reply the same day. Don't procrastinate. Just get on it. Get it done. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be happier for it. And people yeah. will appreciate it. Yes. And I do very much. So I like Thank you so much, Josh. I really, really appreciate your time. And it was just filled with a lot of nuggets and just great, great, valuable information and um, advice to all those people out there who are passionate about entertainment or film and just life too. You gave a lot of life, <laughs> life advice as well and how to be successful. Thank you everybody for joining us on Dark Horse Matters, the show about people, their passion and their pursuit toward happiness. If you're looking for purpose, you know, that's something that you have to focus on because that in my experience has just been the true key to fulfillment in life. So thanks again. We'll see you next week. Be passionate.